call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of grease in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best, they call me the Greedy Man. Got many clients. What's up? Going for miles around. Hello. Running down my prescription. Hello. Knock knock. I got medicine. Who's there? Your fucking mother. Hey everybody. Uh, welcome to the Pope Boys podcast. I'm your host Jody B. Today I have something special. Uh, I was actually going to record an episode with uh, Mrs. Jody B, aka Miss Big Booty, but that didn't work out. <laughs> so I got a hold of. Uh, okay, so I was on Twitter, and somebody included me in a follow Friday, and I was just looking through the at, you know, the hashtag name. Oh, you know how you fucking do. You're looking through shit. Who's following who? And I stumble across. One that said at Ren and Stimpy Doc. I said, what the fuck is that? I click on it. Ren and Stimpy documentary on Twitter page uh, with not a lot of followers, a few hundred. I said, huh. And no activity in several months. I said, well, maybe that's just something that went away. I don't fucking know. I look through the feed and I stumble across a fellow by the name of Ron Cicero. I click on his face. He's the writer, producer of the Ren and Stimpy documentary. Now, not a lot of activity on that Twitter page, but just so happened the day that I looked, he had made a comment. And I sent him a private message. I said, hey, man, do you do podcasts? <laughs> uh, would you guys be interested in doing any kind of promotion? For this documentary, because through, you know, a, a little bit of time of looking at websites and different things like that, I found out that, yeah, this is a fucking, it's a real thing, a movie, documentary, and that it was being funded and got its, uh, made the cut, got its funding, um, and yeah, so it's happening, and I said, holy shit, I fucking love Ren and Stimpy, so I had to, uh, try to get in touch, oh, shit. I did, and I also, uh, Ron said that he would introduce me to his directing partner, uh, Chemo, with a K, K-I-M-O, Chemo. And so, yeah, this is a conversation between me, Ron, and Chemo about their documentary about Brandon Stimpy. So, I don't know, man. I'm excited. I kind of geek out a little. Um, I will say this. Somewhere in the middle, we actually lose Ron. And uh, it fucks up. And uh, the call drops. And it takes me a second to get everything back together. But it comes back together. And uh, we finish up. So, uh, yeah, man. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the writers and directors, screenwriters, the motherfuckers in charge of making the movie happy happy joy joy the Ren and Stimpy documentary 
It's nothing called controlling the heart, so get together, drops. If you work too hard and you need a little rest, try my Easy Life Rub or put some of my Boss Fix Jam in your breakfast. Try a little bit of... Head now. You know, I think anybody between the ages of, I'd go 25 to 40, probably would know that theme song. And uh, it would invoke a certain reaction in people, I think, in the sweet spot between, say, 28 to 35. Uh, it's it's unmistakable. It's unforgettable. Ren is Dippy. And today, I have two guests, Ron and Kimo who are going to let us know about a project they've been working on. And it's, I think it's going to be very exciting to see what happens next because I just happened to stumble across. So uh, first and foremost, I'd like to introduce Ron. Hello. Hi and, there. Yes, Ron and Kimo. That's right, buddy. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Guys. <laughs> I don't even know how I came across you all. Uh, I think it was in a, a Twitter chain where with a bunch of people's names in it, and I just happened to glance, and I saw a Twitter feed for Ren and Stimpy Doc. That's all it said. I click on it, and I don't think anything's been posted on that Twitter handle since August of last year. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking through, and I find Ron Cicero, and I click on that. Cicero, not Cicero, my bad. Um, I click on that, and also, Ron... Uh, I think you've tweeted once in the last eight months, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, we've been pretty sequestered in the edit bay, especially uh, since our, the Indiegogo campaign ended, which has uh, been a couple months now. So, yeah, we've been uh, kind of slacking on our social media duties. So I was taken back at first and I said, well, why? what the hell is going on with this? Because I'm, I'm, I want to know more. And so I dug a little further. I found the Indiegogo campaign and apparently... You guys uh, started a, a fund to produce and direct, create, write, basically a full-length documentary film about Ren and Stimpy. And I think it's it's time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I'm excited to know, and I would like you guys to introduce yourself first because you know we're strangers at. at jump street here so i'd like to know a little more about both of you guys and if you would just kind of tell me what's going on and and where we're looking and and you know what tell me all about it man because i'm i am hook line and sinker i'm already in the boat 
Sure. Uh, I guess I'll start real quick. Is uh, So I'm a producer and co-director on the project, and the project's been in production, well, it was in production for about a year from the time we kind of generated the idea to our last interview. And then for the last six months or so, we've been in post-production. And now we're at a fine cut stage, which basically means that the story is locked and we're completing the finishing elements like the motion graphics, animation, color, sound mix, etc. And so, yeah, that's kind of a brief wrap up. And then I partnered with uh, a longtime friend of mine, an amazingly talented director, uh, Kimo Easterwood. That's me. Yeah, um, I'm the other director and also shot the project. And um, I'm actually kind of shocked that you found out about this so late in the game because we, we we did so much outreach that we thought that we got every Ren and Stimpy fan in the world. Um, <laughs> but it turns out that there's people still finding this thing. So it's actually pretty cool that, uh, that you dug deeper. Um, we appreciate that. But yeah, like Ron was saying, we've been on this thing a um, year and a half now. It's probably going to be two years when we're going to be done with it. But um, it looks amazing um we've been going out we're we're in the post-production right now with motion graphics that kind of thing and some of the stuff we're coming up with is just super cool and the archives that we got that a lot of people have never seen so um there's just going to be a ton of cool stuff uh in this thing i'm just it's funny. I live in the middle of Arkansas, so maybe that's why it didn't get here yet. <laughs> Time uh, information travels a little slow when you get past the Rocky Mountains. Uh, well, you know what? One of the things that's been really interesting, you know, especially doing the campaign, is we we started off with a Kickstarter, which was a little bit of a false start because we figured, well, you know, we have almost ten thousand fans on our Facebook page for the film, and as long as we post things on that page, everybody will find out about it, and our job will be easy. Well, we quickly realized that Facebook uh, throttles the amount of information that your fans see. So, where we thought we would be hitting, you know maybe even conservatively 5,000 people at a t- per post, it's actually much, much smaller than that. It's about 1%. And so you quickly realize, well, ah, that's why Facebook is a multi-billion dollar company, because they force you to advertise if you want your post to reach any sort of numbers. So you, uh, you're not alone in the number of people that are just finding out about it. it it's really kind of shocking, and it was definitely an eye-opening experience for us. I'm really glad that you know, through the internet now. I mean, that's, that's what brought all this together. I only use Twitter, so I wouldn't even mm. have known you had Facebook. Yeah. I would ah. know nothing about it because I'm just, I'm a, a married dad. I got a two year old and I work full time. And in my, my hobby time, I do podcasts. Nice. So I don't have a lot of spare time and already I consider myself semi addicted to Twitter and it's just, you know, uh, 280 characters or less. I can't imagine <laughs> sitting around and having to read shit that my mom posts and, and my, my aunts and uncles and people that I haven't seen in 20 years. And instead of just being three sentences, it's a book and I just, I, I can't do it. <laughs> so yeah. I try to stick to just this one and it's, it's, I think thus far it has been very resource resourceful, with podcasting because it is very business oriented. I think with Twitter, it's a lot more business promotion, stuff like that. Nobody really wants to hear what you have to say. They want to know what (laughs) what you're up to. So that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) So 
My question is, I'm assuming that it would be kind of asinine to assume that both of you guys are pretty big fans of the show. Um, <laughs> how I want to know kind of when you all came upon it, like, cause I remember very well, I remember the first episode of Ren Stimpy I saw, uh, you know, I was eight or nine years old, I think. And uh, it was the episode where, uh, Ren got body dysmorphia and he got all sad and then Stimpy sucked fat out of his ass cheeks and then he gave him pecs and he had the big Terry Crews tits and he was walking down the beach showing out and the one guy laughed at him and then he clamped him between his titties and then he threw him off into the ocean and then his titties dusted the dust off its like hands and then he went back to walking and it has resonated in my brain for you know, some 15, 20 years now and it's it's awesome. Yeah, and I'm curious what bit y'all, what was the original uh thing that got a hold of you? Well, this is gonna be shocking to you. <laughs> um we were both not fans of the show. Um really? not, not I, I shouldn't say that. It's not that we weren't fans of the show. We we did not um watch the show growing up as as kids. Um my first episode I watched was the the day we decided to do this documentary, believe it or not. So I didn't grow up watching this, um, this show at all. And Ron had just seen it, uh, here and there through college, I think. Right. And, um, and so we were not quote unquote fans of this show. Um, we discovered it together basically when we started to do this documentary. So, um, so yeah, that's, um, that's the, that's the story behind that. So we don't have any nostalgia, Sort of like I remember my dad turning the show on, and none of that. Yeah. We, we 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 got a lot of those stories, but we don't have any of those personally. So um, so yeah, that may be shocking to most people, but um, <laughs> but this is uh, this is and and now we are fans after doing this documentary and and as diving deep into this as we did. Oh yeah, we we became <laughs> and it was it was quick to see why the fan base is it, it is what it is and why people are so passionate about the show. So as late, late viewing fans, do you think that it got you the, the bug bit you the same way it bit us as kids? Cause this was a show that was very controversial. I mean, there were only two shows cartoons that I can remember actually getting in trouble watching as a kid, <laughs> Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead. And Beavis and Butthead came on a little right. bit later at night. So you had a more likely chance of getting caught watching it because you shouldn't be up anyway, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Ren and Stimpy could fly in under the radar, but I mean, just some of the, those old Nickelodeon cartoons, man, just, it is amazing now to see that as a grown man and just go, Oh <laughs> shit. Yeah. What did he just well, say? Well, you have to understand our context too, is because when these, when people are fans of this show and they first saw the show as a kid or whatever, of course it was shocking and it grabbed you because you didn't have any context. You didn't have anything prior to that all you had was uh you know the stuff that came in the late 80s and, and all that watered down sort of uh we're gonna give you a lesson at the end of the the, the show and yeah and the poor animation style and all that so when ren and snippy came on then it was so much it was so shocking to people but because we are so because we discovered this in 2016 basically it didn't it didn't come across as being incredibly shocking because we, you know, we've seen it all at this point. Little desensitized. So, um, we've had horror so, movies. So that's why I guess it didn't, it didn't grab me as, as much as, oh my God, what is this? Because 
you know, I have the context behind it, but you guys didn't have any of that. You just, you, you had something to compare it to. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it was, it was all Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Barra cartoons before that, you know, uh, Flintstones and Jetsons and stuff like that, or maybe GI Joe, like you had other pretty, um, I'm trying to think, because obviously G.I. Joe is war, so that's that's kind of graphic to think, looking back now, as kids were watching shows about blowing shit up and tanks and everything <laughs> else. So, you know, it was different in that it, it wasn't that, but we had some kind of outlandish cartoons at the time, so it, I think it's weird because it was a sleeper. Like I said, a lot of people just saw it as one thing and then, you know, maybe sit there as an adult and watch a little bit and go, what the hell? And then you see the cutaways to those real graphic still shots. It's like, and it's like crazy, you know, Stimpy sitting there with crust all over his face looking like a junkie. And it's just it's nuts to think of how many people it missed like y'all, you know, but how many people it nailed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, to Kimo's point about context, I mean, if you look back at a lot of the cartoons that were generated in the '80s, you know, if if you're an adult now looking at them, you may go, "Oh, that's amazing." You have nostalgia for that, but if you look at the quality of the animation, it's dreadful. Oh, it's um, bad. For, and then when Ren and Stimpy came along, and something that we explore in the film, you start to really dive into the quality of the artwork, and it's extraordinary. I mean, you put up, you know, My Little Pony or The Muppet Babies against an episode of Ren and Stimpy, and it's like night and day. Yeah. And that's a thing that was really lacking in the cartoons before um, Ren and Stimpy came on, uh, on the scene. They really brought back the quality of the Tex Avery cartoons, the Bob Clampett cartoons from the 40s. So it, it really was, it was a pretty sad state of affairs. And, and you got to realize a lot of that was money driven. You know, the artists yeah. that were in Hollywood had the talent. It's just they didn't have the time, nor did these larger companies have the inclination to make good work. All they cared about was basically, as they would say, shitting them out. Get it uh, out. Yeah. On behalf of toy companies. I mean, you look at, you know, My Little Pony or you look at Transformers, though, that was children's programming that was mass uh, it was it was basically children's uh tv ads masquerading as entertainment yes yeah hands down i that's and i'm not to say that you know ren and snippy didn't generate its own following with the the uh content and uh merchandise sure. angle but i see what you're saying it, it did seem a lot of that even back with radio carts i mean it's always been that especially uh-huh. kid shows. That's what they want to do. Sure. They want to influence the kids to go ask their parents to buy more Ovaltine and tune in next week to little orphan Annie, or, you know, go out and buy this crazy ass transformer tiger bot, you know, and fight yeah. the Decepticons. And it's, it's always that, I guess. And so it's, well, you're right. It, it is. And, and what it basically though, it, it depends on the order. Like Jim Ballantyne, who was a producer at Disney and he was a producer on Ren and Stippy said he was at one of the major animation houses and they would literally come in with a box of toys and tell the artists, here's, here's your characters, build a cartoon around it. Whereas Ren and Stimpy was about the artwork and the story and the entertainment, and from the entertainment evolved the toy lines and the merchandising. So they didn't put the cart before the horse, where right. most people were doing that on the grand scale of things. That's right. It makes sense. 
you know, I guess it, as a production company, your idea should be make money. It just sucks that that's the, that's the route they take. You know, it's the cheap money. Yeah, I um, <coughs> excuse me. I think that it's it's a long time coming, and uh, I am very curious to see. You know, I, I watched your Indiegogo uh, trailer video where you guys kind of explained everything and what you were going to try to do, and. I think it's really cool that you were able to get a lot of the original artists to actually, and some of them I'm sure at this point have gone on to do more, you know, important things and, and bigger things. And to know that obviously the talent was there. So now they have succeeded and gone on to do other things, but also they were able to come back for the reunion tour, so to speak. Yeah. That's really cool because you don't see that a lot. So obviously there's a connection there with these people where they knew that it was something special, something that they did at a time when it really mattered. And, you know, now they can go back and, and give their opinions on something that really might have been something that there was their obsession for a few years in their life, you know? Yeah. You know, everyone that we interviewed the, the artists, they're very proud of what they did. You know, they, they're, they love, especially Bob camp. I mean, Bob camp still goes to comic cons and represents Ren and Stimpy. He's the, the only guy that still represents Ren and Stimpy at, uh, you know, at conventions and stuff. And, um, and, uh, everyone's really proud of what they did on that show. You know, there's, um, I don't know, even though they've gone on to bigger things at cartoon network, Pixar, whatever, um, you know, they really were genuinely, you know, um, just for lack of a better word, just stoked that they had the opportunity to work on that show. Yeah. And they weren't getting paid really to do it. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Or they were, you know, having to devote so much time to it because they were, they were artists and they weren't going to mass produce. Like we were just talking about with the other production companies. They were like, I'm actually going to focus and do a good job on this. So obviously, you know, they weren't just, you know, dicking around trying to do it. They were having to put time in and probably not getting compensated what they should have <laughs> for the amount of time that they put into it and effort considering the talent that you had, you know? Well, yeah. not only that, but not only were they drawing, sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah. They were doing some of the music as well, you know, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is, yeah, they used a lot of stock music, but they also wrote original songs, so they would animate all day long, and then they'd go back to the studio and then start writing songs for episodes, you know, till three in the morning. Um, you know, Chris Riccardi, who was the artist, and, he, and him and his band, um, Screaming Lederhosen, and they wrote original songs. So, you know, they didn't have to do that. They could have just used stock music, but, um, you know, they were passionate about what they were doing. It, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, is um, despite that passion, because of how the show dissolves, um, it it didn't make securing the interviews with these guys particularly easy in the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, because there was a lot of bad blood when John Kay was removed from the show... Um, it was it was essentially a divorce amongst a very tight knit group of people, and so a lot of the original artists were very very reluctant to talk about it, and many hadn't for twenty five years. So it, it took uh, probably three or four months before we got a break, 
and had um, some of the original artists speak with us. And after they realized that it wasn't going to be a hit piece, mm-hmm. uh, that, that the news traveled and it tended to make it a little bit easier. But it was definitely, you know, touch and go in the beginning, whether or not the film was even getting off the ground. Bad blood is not something productive in an environment <laughs> like that, especially when you're just trying to be inquisitive and find things out. And they're just like, nah, fuck him. <laughs> so come on well, guys, I'm just trying to ask a question, but you don't want to offend anybody, but you know, yeah. it obviously. Uh, so <laughs> John K you mm-hmm. want to, can you give that last name a shot for me? Cause I, I got nothing. Uh, I've read it a bunch of times and I don't want to do it any in, injustice. So do you, can you pronounce his last name? Chris Felucci. Chris Lucy. Okay. So yeah. Chris Lucy, not Crick Lucy, which a lot of people <laughs> say. Chris Lucy. Um, I think it's crazy that it's like being the lead singer of a band and getting kicked the fuck out. And then the band keeps going like what <laughs> are you? Are we just going to act like this didn't happen? Are you serious? <laughs> it's, I can't imagine what that feels like to be, john in that situation or what it feels like to be his his staff his his com commandant sitting around going well what do we do now and then you know obviously the voice i know that he was ren originally i believe and billy west mm-hmm. did stimpy and then from after he got kicked out uh you know billy west did both voices and so that's I don't know. Like that had to have been a shift in the, in the environment. So I'd be curious now knowing some of that to go back and actually watch the show and see just how much it changed between those first couple of seasons. Cause they did like four or five total. Didn't they all together? Yeah. Five years. So, and I know that he came back for the relaunch in 2000. Was it 2003, four, the, the spike TV show. Mm-hmm. He came back for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the adult party cartoon series, which uh, unfortunately didn't last very long. I didn't like it as much. Uh, To be honest with you, uh, me and a buddy of mine, uh, I saw, I think it was on Netflix they put it, and he watched it before I did and just kind of was reporting back to me. And he goes, meh. And I said, what's up, dude? And he goes, it's just, I don't know, man. It's like, it feels like it's edgy on purpose now. Like, yeah. uh, and maybe that's because we're older, but he said it just didn't feel the same. And I think there was actually a scene where you could see Ren's dick too. So that was kind of another, <laughs> that was specifically the episode that he told me about. He goes, man, I watched that shit and I was just, I'm not minding my business, just doing something. And he said, I look up and it's Ren with his dick out. And I said, what? <laughs> So yeah, I, you know, I mean, it really, you know, those first couple seasons really were like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, you know, you had kind of John psychosis and Bob's desire just to be funny, and and then you had Lynn Naylor, who's kind of one of the unsung heroes of of the show that just brought an enormous amount of heart to it. And without those three, and then of course, you know, the other artists as well, but without that kind of core group working together, uh, the show just suffered and and you saw that with a doll party cartoon i think that the band could be compared to stone temple pilots <laughs> john is is the the uh oh shit 
Scott Weiland of the group, and they they kicked his ass out. He tried something different later on, and it just wasn't as good. And unfortunately, that lightning, you're never going to get it again. But yeah. it is you you do have that lightning. You know what I'm saying? So I guess that's the part you should celebrate is just knowing that there is that that original run in its entirety. Um, actually, I read that there was a, an episode that didn't get released. Have you guys done any research into that at all? Yeah. yeah. The, the, is there, there, is that a spoiler alert? Should I should I knock that off? <laughs> Do what? Are you talking about the one that it's just a storyboard online? I believe the episode uh, the, title is "Life Sucks," but I think it's a yeah, storyboard. That's it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's storyboarded or sort of. Uh, What's the term? Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it never it's got like it a never graphic made, progression. But it, it, it's not like an actual episode polished with drawing. Yeah, you can find it's on YouTube. Um, some a few people have uploaded it, and it's just it's yeah, it's just uh, sort of storyboarded um, with in betweens, and that's sort of it. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, no, we didn't. We didn't uh, get into that uh, episode. Okay. So, is your focus going to be more on like the original run? Do you guys cover the show in its entirety, or like what is what was your angle uh, on trying to to present it? Is it just to say, hey, this this was really awesome in these this time segment, or do you actually encompass everything, even the later stuff from Spike TV? Um, yeah, you know what we um, we really concentrated on the first couple seasons. I mean, we we mentioned what occurred on Spike, and and we mentioned certainly games, and but the film really centers on you know who John Kay is, who these other artists were, yeah. and and that period where it really was at its pinnacle, and that in itself. Um, provided us to about 80 hours worth of footage plus god knows how much more archival footage so it was both because that's where kind of the most of the drama and the intrigue and the interest is yeah as well as just the amount of time um keeping it under you know 90 minutes or keeping it around a 90 minute mark i guess that's where i'm at with it like i'm excited to to know kind of what you're doing and i guess in my mind i'm trying to figure out like where do you put the stopper where do you put the book in so that i know like what you're going to focus on and i think that obviously the the drama from that initial situation is going to be it's going to be pretty heavy <laughs> well it's interesting you know john is this guy that is enormously talented there's no one that would argue his talent. It's just, you know, at, at, at what point, as somebody says in the film, do you just need to let go? You know, you need to learn to let go. It's still a business, yeah. you know, and, you know, he definitely brought the, the show and the network to a breaking point, you know, and it's, you know, it's super sad to see. It's almost like a guy, you know, it's almost like a guy who loves somebody too much. It's like, dude, stop calling her. Yeah. Like, stop texting her. Like, just stop. And, you know, when you're that obsessed, sometimes you just can't do that. And unfortunately, that has consequences, both for you and those around you in this case. Yeah. I'm just... It's it's such a monumental show. Like, I would put it top five of, of cartoons in general. If you were going to just talk about, you know, a place and time, there's got to be some pretty monumental shows. And I think that... 
respectably, Ren and Stimpy is probably one of the most noteworthy shows you'll I've ever seen, I've ever heard of. You know, you know the 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 music, you know the logo, you know the characters. It doesn't matter in what form or fashion. You know exactly what that is when you see it or hear it. And so it's it's going to be really interesting to get to see that. And I think maybe some people will think not, but I I think even those people will be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean that was yeah, definitely. Well, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kimo. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, um, you know, we definitely tried to give a balance to this documentary, and we didn't want to make it 100% just fan-centric. You know, we wanted the guy off the street that doesn't know the show to watch it and go, oh, that was interesting, you know. Um, so we tried to balance between the two of giving the fans some of the good, juicy stuff that they want to know, but also giving it a broader perspective to to the non-fan you know so that was uh that was um you know something we definitely tried to do and uh to your point you know i agree with you you know every once in a while a show will come on that culturally just changes things and and ren and stimpy stimpy was definitely one of those shows that um that was you know and i can see why it's in your top five i mean it's it uh it definitely deserves to be there Oh. Sorry, I was looking here at my notes. <laughs> I thought Ron was going to say something. Wait to leave me hanging, oh. guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me with my pants down. Yeah, but, yeah. No, well, so, I can say something. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, um, you know, it, it is, and, and I think that was one of the exciting things about doing the documentary is that we didn't have this history. We didn't come in as these longtime fans. We were really able to explore it with new eyes and not get too involved in some of the minutia. I mean, as Kimo said, there's definitely some, some scenes and some uh, tidbits that the hardcore fan is definitely going to discover. But that being said is, you know, we wanted to walk away from this documentary and this film and have people walk away from the documentary excited to go out and find Ren and Stimpy, either revisiting it again or visiting it for the first time, because it deserves to be found. I would like to play. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about how the crew, you know, not only did their own artwork, but also their own music. So I would like to do just a little reminder for people that might not know. This little ditty. Um, is play here. Hello, boys and girls. Uh-huh. This is your old pal, Stinky Whizzleteeth. This is a song about a whale. No! This is a song about being happy. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. <laughs> happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. So, uh, the aptly named title of your YouTube gentleman's documentary. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Correct. Yeah, we know that song... Very well. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> yeah, I'm, along with the log song, which you know Yes, yes. It's. But you know, wanted to say also that you know, if we were to put everything in this documentary that we thought was awesome or great, it would be a five-hour documentary. <laughs> right. So, um, 
so that's why a lot of like um, the juicier fan stuff um, will be in DVD extras yeah. um, because we just simply can't fit all the stuff that we have. And we have um, people talking about how they came up with that happy, happy, joy, joy song. Um, we have Chris Riccardi talking about how he came up with that um, theme song that you play to, to start your show off with. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and when you do documentaries, unfortunately, you just can't put everything in that you want to um, because it'll just be too long or pacing or whatever. So, yeah, so the, the DVD extras um, will be where all that good stuff is, is, uh, is going to be living. I'm excited. I think that it's really cool. And uh, I had a couple fun facts here that I'm sure you guys might or might not know that I thought were just interesting, like talking points. Um, one thing that I, I noted that was kind of funny was that the show actually was banned in August of 1993 in Canada uh, over, I believe, a music complaint or something is what I read. It was something didn't fit the music standard, which was kind of funny because it was like, that's all. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> But uh, it's funny because John Kay is actually from, he's Canadian, I believe. So uh-huh. they actually, yep. <laughs> they kicked him out of his own country in a sense, uh, <laughs> artistically. And that kind of sucks. So, uh, well, just, yeah, I mean, you, you know, to that point, not just Canada, but the U.S., I mean, there was a lot of blowback to the show. I mean, if you go back to that era and you look at just, you know, the political and social climate. I mean, they were burning Ozzy Osbourne records. Yeah. You know, Dan Quayle was on the stump talking about family values and how Hollywood was basically demons. You know, I mean, it was really a, a very conservative time. I and mean, you've got it this. wasn't that much after, you know, the PMRC was in front of the Senate, you know, and Frank Zappa and Dee Snyder were talking about rock lyrics. And that's, you know, during the time when, you know, records were being labeled i mean it's hard to imagine now uh, maybe it's not that hard i don't know but but uh it certainly came about in a time that you know there was a, a building of backlash but it was still in, in an ocean of conservatism i don't think it would work now if i'm being completely honest like if, yeah. if the show was not a thing and it, it debuted monday i don't think it would work the same way yeah you know, yeah. it's a time and a place. And I think that's where the nostalgia is. It's like I said, I can remember where I was the first time I saw the show. And I think that that's why people so closely relate to it, because it, it touches a part in your life where you were young and you were like, oh, yeah, I remember that shit. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's <laughs> I'm really interested to see where you guys go from here, because, you know, I don't know, like, what. Uh, how old you mind if I ask like how old are you guys so this chemo I'm 50 okay I'm I'm encroaching on 50 myself okay so that's what I'm saying like obviously you guys may or may not have had some other endeavors before this Uh, you know and I'm curious to see how well this does because I feel like it's going to be a winner like I feel like this is going to really lend itself to all your work and i think that you're going to uh to really enjoy what what happens next <laughs> because you've even got to uh, see some of these super fans and just to know that even the casual fan will be interested to see this i think that you're going to be really surprised as to how many people really do know about the show and are fans of the show so you know 
is there anything you can think that will be like the next portion of what you're doing? Like, is there something else that you're interested in? Hello. Hey, sorry. I don't know what happened. I think I talked your Skype off. Oh, did, <laughs> uh, so was it you? Uh, did, did yours quit or or what? Because I'm not on Skype. I'm just going through Ron's phone. Okay. Is Ron still there? Uh, doesn't look like he is. I think we lost oh. Ron. Well, he'll he'll uh, he'll probably I guess he'll call me back and then we'll. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I, I guess. Well, hey, uh, hey Kimo. Now you're all alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You and me, buddy. That's right. Um. Okay. Ron's back. He's gonna say curse words. I bet. Let's see if he jumps in. Uh huh. I'm back. You're not. Hey. <laughs> Were you guys still on? Uh, yeah. I think oh, I rejoined. Yeah, it's uh I think you froze up and Chemo was still connected, so I actually caught him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that good job, fellas. Yeah. We broke Skype. <laughs> nice. Awesome. See what happens? Red Stiffy fans are they're clamoring at the phones right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, no, uh, what I was saying is, guys, I think that you've you've got a pretty good situation. I think you have a successful thing, and I'm curious to know, like, what what's next? Do you have anything else right, right in the pipe, any other passions or things that you've, you've got in your mind that you want to try after this? Uh, other documentaries, movies, when y'all play guitar, like, what's what happens <laughs> next for Ron and Kimo? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kimo, do you want to go, or you want to take this, or? Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, Kimo and I, we've known each other for, what, 25, 30 years. We started in, you know, some feature films in the lighting and camera department and then um, kind of grew apart professionally and then came back. And And I'm super excited to c- uh, continue the partnership. And um, the the good thing is, is we've we prepared for kind of the next steps. We have about eight other projects that we'll be pitching around town, um, and they range from uh, let's see, two or three other feature-length documentaries yeah. um, to about three or four other um, TV shows. Uh, more in the, you know, kind of short-form episodic or short episodic form, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, the eight to ten episode that's very popular right now in the streaming services. So, you know, without boring you in the details, we definitely have um, a pipeline of, of follow-up projects. So we're, we're super stoked. We're really looking forward to getting this out, uh, this film out, and, and seeing the public reaction. So far, the private screenings have gone re- very well. And, um, and then we're just looking to jump on the next thing. And I think, you know, Kimo and I are aligned in that we just want to do stories that surprise people. Yeah, and are 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 haven't been done before, which in itself is not an easy task. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we did the Ren and Stimpy documentary, is because, um, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Todd White, who's an artist and was an artist on SpongeBob, kind of pitched us the idea, and we're like, God, nobody's done this. Like, it's crazy. Like all the documentaries that are made, nobody's done this, and and that's kind of what excites us. Um, it's that bit of a treasure hunt, finding finding subjects that, that may be right in front of you um, but haven't been explored in, in the way that we enjoy exploring them. So, yeah, we're, we're super excited. I think the next uh, 18 months to two years is going to have a lot, um, uh, a lot going on. 
Yeah, and we can also say that the next project, whatever it is, will not have to do with a cartoon. <laughs> you to give it a rest. You're going to go we're, to other Nickelodeon uh, yeah, so, shows now. So we're not going into another. Uh, we're not going into the uh, Powerpuff documentary or anything like that. Come on, man! Captain so Planet uh, is just itching for a documentary. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's, that would definitely hey, maybe. But you know, to to, to your point, um, you know, we, thanks for 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 those good vibes that that you're feeling. And you know, well, we have to say that everyone that we've pretty much ever mentioned this project to, no matter who it was, a random stranger, a car dealership guy, whatever, they all react um, positively. They all say like, "Oh man, I love that show. That's cool." You know, and and you just you just see how huge the fan base is. Um, when you're just you just walk around town and you mention it to to anyone, just basically pretty much everyone's heard of this show. So yeah. so um, we we really hope that you know we'll we'll do it justice and and the people will enjoy it. I went to a thrift store because not too recently that I exclusively shopped at thrift stores and <laughs> I found a Ren and Snippy T-shirt. It was oh. it was orange. And it had just a small Ren and Stimpy logo on the front pocket, you know, area, the the titty. And on the back, uh-huh. it was a, a still shot of Stimpy. Um, it's the scene with the, the nipples. I don't know how well you are with the, the episodes, but there's one with nipples. And he's like, something, something, I can do anything with my amazing wonder nipples or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I wore that for a summer. I felt like a rock star. Like, you would not imagine how many people in line, in grocery stores, in j- just at the lake, will go, holy shit, man, is that a Ren and Stimpy shirt? And I'd be like, yeah. And they're like, all right. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. And that's how I'm saying, like, I know it's that popular, and I hope you guys have figured it out. So I think that you really, you picked a good one. And I would like to, you know keep an eye on you both and uh, you guys are gonna have to tweet a little more or maybe write me a fucking email <laughs> you know i won't tell anybody don't worry i've got like 10 fans but you know i want to see what, what comes next because uh if you guys are willing to put this kind of work into something that like you said seems like oh well that could be a good idea but the reality is it's so much more than you realize <laughs> yeah it's so many people yeah well, and we've been really stoked, too. I mean, not only have we um, received the support of many, many of the original artists, I think we ended up doing like 50 interviews, um, but there was also, you know, celebrities in there as well, Jack Black, uh, Eliza Schlesinger, Bobby Lee, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, I mean, legendary. Um, but, you know, it, we've also come across a number of collectors that have these stashes of original artwork, whether it be storyboards or layouts, that... Um, have really generously scanned them and sent them to us, and we've been able to include these in the film. And these are things that you know haven't seen the light of day in you know 25 years. So it really has been you know this community effort to to make this film, and we're, we're really grateful for it. See, I hope what doesn't happen is you guys make a very big boom with this. Everybody sees it, they're like, "Oh yeah, Ren is Dippy." I hope that it doesn't turn into a movie or something like a redo because I know I've seen mutterings of that at different, you know, places. If you look in comments for episodes of Ren and Stimpy on the internet or something, yeah. like, oh, I, what about a Ren and Stimpy movie? And it's like, no, like let's leave it, <laughs> let's leave it for now, <laughs> and uh, just let it be because I think we're at a point where that seems to be the 
the the trend is find something that made a lot of money a long time ago and just see if you can fiddle with it and, and do something. That live action yeah. Ren and Stimpy. Now I got a, a real fucking Chihuahua and a and a big <laughs> red cat and they just talk shit and choke each other. And you know, it's yeah. I like the novelty. I'd probably watch it, but I know in my heart I would regret it. I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I'm already turned down a Ren and Stimpy movie, so right. That's, it's it's obviously but, an idea. Yeah, no, I I I hear you. It would it would yeah, so. uh, yeah. I I agree with you on that. It, it'd be you know obviously we want a very successful movie, but uh, you know who knows what you know when people see dollar signs, they 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 may want to make a movie. I don't know, <laughs> but. Uh, Something, yeah, who knows? We won't worry about that now. Something crazy that I read today. I'm just looking through fun facts and everything. Did you know that Kurt Cobain was supposed to write the original intro for the show? He got offered to do it. That has not been confirmed. Maybe to be not. Quite honest. Well, then I I'll call it gossip. <laughs> I was hoping that you could confirm or deny because I was like, that yeah. would have been the ultimate '90s bomb. Like, just oh yeah, it's the show yeah. with with Nirvana intro. Like that. I think that would have put the stamp on it. And I was curious when I read that. I go, that can't be true. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, we, we talked to Chris Riccardi at length, who was, as Kimo mentioned earlier, was you know part of the Screaming Lederhosen and was a uh, composer on the show. Um, and he's, a, as you can imagine, a huge music fan. And I would imagine if, if Kurt was involved or contacted, he would have let us know. But it, given the timeline and how the show was created... Um, maybe it was an offer by John Kay, but I'll tell you who was, uh, of course, involved, and it was Frank Zappa, not in the music, but of course playing the Pope in the Powdered Toast Man episode, and he was a big fan, and and John Kay and, and Frank Zappa were kind of, uh, had a, a, kintri- a kinship, um, so, but I don't know about Kurt Cobain, I, I think that might be a, a rumor. <laughs> Well, you know, I like to bring bullshit facts to interviews, man. That's, that's how I do. Got to keep you on your well toes, done, man. Well done, sir. Well done. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's uh, it's been really cool getting to talk to you, and I'm glad to have stumbled across your uh, your your documentary, and I am excited. Do we have a date yet? Do we have any kind of a ballpark that I can expect to be able to watch your documentary? <laughs> Well, it'll be finished by uh, the mid to end of March. So it'll be in the can, completed. At that point, it's really up to um, the distributor yeah. uh, when they're going to release it and how they're going to release it. Um, you know, of course, every filmmaker wants a theatrical release, even if it's a limited release. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most likely it'll be on a streaming service and then, of course, on DVD. So uh, we'll definitely keep you updated. We will definitely tweet more. And um, <laughs> you will be the first to know. And, and thank you so much for having us on. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Man. Yeah. I just, it's, I really enjoy the internet. I enjoy podcasting because it gives people, just regular old dudes like me, an opportunity to find things like this and maybe share it with 20, 30 people who might then share it with another hundred people. So it's, you know, I hope that I could do just anything for you because I, I, I really, uh, I respect you guys decision. (laughs) Like you didn't have to do it and you did. So that's, that's really cool. Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're still in the process of, uh, you know, negotiating licensing and all that. So we still have our campaign up on Indiegogo. Yes. Um, 
you know, so if uh, if anybody's interested, there's still uh, merchandise up there for sale, that, and that money will go directly towards you know financing the finishing costs of the film. So any little bit helps. Are there any other websites or plugs, anything that you'd like to, uh, you know, if there's other ways to get in contact, uh, you know, any way I can help people can reach you all. Um, I believe yeah, Ron, the, you're the at- Facebook page. I know, um, you know, you can certainly hit us on Twitter, but the Facebook page is pretty active. Yeah. There's close to 10,000 fans there and it's just facebook.com slash Ren and Stimpy doc D O C, which is our handle on Instagram and uh, a Twitter as well. All right. So, Ron and Kimo, writers, directors, filmmakers, documentarians, working on a Ren Stimpy, Ren and Stimpy documentary. And uh, I think that's awesome. I hope you do too. If you don't, that's cool. I like old cartoons. Fuck off. Oh, shit. So, it's been a fun day. I had to work this morning. I ran over a squirrel. I don't hit animals very often. It was kind of crazy. Like, I was leaving my office, and all of a sudden, I saw this fat-ass squirrel come running across the grass. He had a walnut or something in his mouth, just a big chunk of something. And uh, all of a sudden, just this squirrel just booking his ass out of a tree line into the curb across the street. He saw me. I saw him. Her. I don't know. Whatever. I fucking. I fucking. Um, I just kept going. I'm not stopping for a squirrel. I'll stop for a dog or something that's going to fuck up my car. A deer. But squirrel. Not nah, fuck you, man. You knew you were going to lose. But he just, he didn't even try to stop, y'all. He just ran out. And I said, and his little whatever nut he had, it bounced up onto the, my fender well and then bounced off. That's how I knew I got him. I said, oh, shit. That's not good. Rest in peace, bro. <laughs> Don't play chicken with the Honda Civic. The Honda Civic takes lives, motherfucker. We're going to get out of here. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Sorry that uh, if I geeked out there at the end, like I'm really excited, man. I like this show. I think it's going to be awesome. And I hope that you guys will, uh, you know, check it out whenever it comes out. I think they said at least, you know, by March, they should be ready to start looking. So we'll let y'all know when it happens. Y'all go out and see that shit. Um, yeah, that's all I got, guys tapping out we'll see you later you can follow the show at po'boys at po'boy pod on twitter at jodyb501 and that's all bye A seven nation army couldn't hold me back They're gonna rip it off 
Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at night Because I can't forget Back and forth through my mind Behind a cigarette And the message coming from my eyes Saying Sweat it. 